McNulty's done incredibly well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yeah. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Welcome, fans, and welcome to the Pure Forecast episode 41. Well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, Pompey fans. It's been an absolutely awful uh, time of football since we last spoke. Dreadful result against Sunderland, even worse result against Coventry. And to join me in our journey today on the podcast is James Robbins. James, how are you? Hello. Yeah, uh, this, this, this has been fucking shit. Don't sugarcoat it. This has been four of four of the worst days i think we've had in a good three four seasons of uh of watching the blues um but yeah looking looking forward to having a, a therapy session for the next hour or so well you're in the right place james so um it, it, as for, at the start we're going to go through the sunderland game which again that'll be uh therapeutic yeah. then we'll <laughs> then we're going to fly in and do the commentary game. Uh, we're going to talk about your questions. And uh, thanks again, everyone. I've actually had, well, up to hundreds of messages from people, but um, quite a lot on Twitter, Facebook, etc. People joining in with the conversation. So I appreciate that as always. And then we're going to do a really brief preview of the QPR game, because let's be honest, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, I think I know one man who might after Tuesday night, but there we go. <laughs> right. James Sunderland, mate. It yeah. was a dreary game in some ways, is how I describe it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was almost the calm before the storm now you look at it. Um, yeah, it was... Um, I mean, it, it was a, a positive 25 minutes, I thought, and then the worst thing we did was score. Um, we just... Yeah, the, the set pieces have been well documented of, of what went wrong. It was one of the worst crossing displays I've seen Um it was just simply appalling, um, to be quite honest. The level of crossing, I think, you know, any 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 cross which doesn't beat the first man, some of them weren't going in the first man. Some of the Pompey fans could have had some catches in the upper tier. Um, players just weren't getting going. Um, there was, you know, some of the, the, the tactical changes which were made. Um, yeah, it was to be to be honest. Given what's happened, I probably should have uh, watched it a bit more. It's, you've almost sort of blacked it from the memory. Um, I, I remember their, their their second goal. The um, you know just get that bloke having the free header. What makes it worse is that he could have been he could have been ours, but uh, we just didn't didn't get it over the line. But I mean, what what I would say is what you took away from it was just how impressive Marcus Harness looked. Yeah, um, and, 
granted that was you know his his third or fourth league game and if he continued playing like that there's there's no point doing a player of the season um award at the minute because he is just by head and shoulders above every single player at the minute yeah i mean that's actually the first point i had written down on my list of little keynotes i've got it just says marcus harness keeps improving what a player and we've we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast but he's somebody who picks the ball up and he's really got great vision, isn't he? And I think that's almost what separates him as well as his sort of quick feet from someone like Jamal Lowe, who was there before. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking about that. I, I, I think his, his feet are, are properly quick. And I was saying to my mate in the stands, actually, I think he could be better than Jamal Lowe. I think with, with a bit more coaching, maybe just working on his final ball a bit. I, I think he could be a better player than Jamal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when we come back to this in a couple of months and see and see how he progresses. You know, touch wood, everything goes well. Um, again, a, a decent strike for the goal as well. So he knows he knows how to find how to find the back of the net, which is good. Um, and he seems to run himself into the ground uh, for for the team as well. So that's that's all. You know, that is all, all you want as a fan, to be quite honest. Um, I mean, I, I don't have anything more, much more detailed than that. But no, I, I, I have been seriously impressed with Marcus so far. I mean, interesting point. Um, after our 2-1 loss to Sunderland, I got a couple of messages from the guys at the Roker Report, who, a bit of friendly banter, should we say, whose podcast I was on. And uh, Graham from the Roker Report was saying to me that he's not surprised at all about Marcus Harness, because every time they've played him last season, he's been absolutely incredible and, you know, the best player for Burton, etc. So... When you when we look at it, I think Pompey fans didn't quite know what to expect when they got Marcus Harness in, and I think he's really going to show us what he's made of. But yeah, so obviously John Marquis again. I think Marcus Harness thread that ball through to John Marquis, didn't he, in the second half, and you know he didn't get the right strike on it, and it went wide. I think a few people were you know thinking, is that is that what we're going to see all season? And I thought that was a bit harsh on a new striker who's just bedded into a system. Do you know what? I might have been watching a different game, but I felt the service through to John Marquez was just non-existent. You have one of the most lethal strikers in the business in the box, and you are struggling to give him opportunities inside the 18-yard box. As we saw last night on Tuesday, which we'll cover um, in a bit more detail in a sec, You, he's, he's got striker's instinct. You give him the service, he will get you those 26 goals, those 28 goals, which could be the difference between now it's looking like the playoffs or not. Um, he is he's lethal in those positions. Um, yeah, all right. The the shot wasn't the shot wasn't great. Um, I, I remember one of my um, the guy I was watching the game with in the pub, and he was saying he went on some of the Doncaster forums, and they said, yeah, John Marquez will score one and miss three. Um, so maybe maybe he comes with a bit of that, but um, you know, to miss three, he's got to be given the service. Um, that that is another crucial crucial takeaway, which which you got to take from it again. Um, I thought Ben Close actually looked quite good going forward as well. Um, he seemed to find himself in a lot more forward positions on on the game against the game against Sunderland yeah. as well. Um, so it, it almost was there were some positives to take from it, even though it's even though it's a loss. But I I can't say I found it inspiring. I I never felt like in the second in the second half that we were going to get that goal. Um, even though I know there's the Marquez chance, but 
Um, I, I, I didn't think we, we did much. Actually, and the Gareth Evans chance, which he probably should have done done better thinking back on it now. But um, yeah, we just we just lacked just lacked any creativity to be quite honest. Yeah, I think I think we I mean obviously we did lack we lacked some creativity going forward, but I think it was also the uncharacteristic sloppiness at the back really that for me stood out in this game. Um, so. <laughs> well, on Saturday, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So for their goals, you know, two shots on target, two goals. Um, and let's be honest, both of them were easily conceded, weren't they? Very easily conceded, very, very poor goals to concede. Um, and a sign of things to come. Um, that, that defense is worrying me, seriously, seriously worrying me. Um, and that is something I, I don't. Is there? I, I keep getting confused with like what's like the like. Can we? Is that the, the deadline the thirty first of August? Yeah, yeah. It's the last lot end of the month. End of the month. What we should just be getting some defenders, get some defenders through the door, um, because we it is it is worrying at the back. When you look at Sunderland, who. Um... They signed Jordan Wills, and if people went back and listened to the summer review us guys did, and the transfer review, Jordan Wills is someone we actually wanted, you know, in huge amounts. But I was really concerned, thinking mm, we're probably not going to get him. He's going to go to the championship, and Sunderland snap him up. He's you know he's quick, he's powerful. He doesn't give many fouls away. He scores. He scored that goal with his head. Apparently, surprisingly, that's the first header he's ever scored in his career. <laughs> um, which just shows how easily he lost his marker in the box, really, doesn't it? But yeah, Pompey really do need to go out and consider looking at some defenders. Um, and we'll go on to who played Tuesday and what I think of them a bit later on, should we say. But do we need a new right back? Yes. Possibly. I think that's that's somewhere we could look at first, right? Yeah, we don't know how good James Bolton is or how close he is to full fitness. Um, Anton Walks. Um, I, I can't say I've ever had too much confidence um, in him playing at right back. Um, I, I'm sure he um, there's, there's bits of his game which which, which could be improved. Um, so I think he's just going to have to work on, go and work on the training ground and, and try and try and find some form. Um, I thought Ross McCrory um, he looked he looked good when he came on against Sunderland, um, and then I think it was fairly obvious uh, fairly evident we were papering over the cracks last night um and yeah get a right back in and unfortunately it's the debate which doesn't seem to go away it's the the Nathan Thompson the Nathan Thompson thing you want it to go away you want to say no we've moved on we've moved on we've you know we've we we've that chapter in in our in our season is now is now gone but it does open a question should we have just signed him well, I think the question is, he didn't want to sign, didn't he? That's that's what it comes he down to for me. But when it when it transpired that actually his agents done him over, and he's not championship clubs don't regard him as highly as Nathan Thompson or Nathan Thompson's agent thought they do. He's back. He's training with a club. I think. Do you swallow a bit of pride and say, "Come on, Nath, look, we've 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 got this deal for you. How do you fancy signing this?" Um, I I I personally w- would have done it, even though I know you gotta you gotta move on, and even if it's just cover for cover for James Bolton. Um, but I I mean 
if you're Steven Gerrard, you must be absolutely furious at the minute that you send your, you know, quite highly thought of um, young central midfielder uh, down down to Pompey to get some experience playing playing in League One, playing central midfield, getting used to the game. And you you look on you look on the app and you see he's he's coming on at he's coming on at right back. Um, I think Jacket's problem is is that he's got to solve how do you play Naylor, Close and McCrory. Um, maybe one of those has become droppable since, but it he was I think he was trying to find a way to keep them all in the team. I mean, for me, James, I think there's a few bits and bobs there. The Nathan Thompson thing, you know, I think Nathan Thompson was a good player for us, great right back. I'm not saying we should have signed him. I, I don't necessarily think we should sign him up again. I just don't, I don't think it... I think if you're a manager and you've made that choice and you think you signed a replacement for him, and we haven't really seen James Bolton play, let's be honest. So, um, no, I see that. I'll wait, I'll wait, and see, wait and see how he plays. But moving on to Ross McCrory quickly... I'm a massive fan. You know, when we see him in pre-season, he looked like one of the best players on the pitch by a long way. Uh, and speaking to, to Stevie Cliff on the podcast as well, a couple of episodes ago, who uh, runs the Rangers lag, four lads had a dream. He was saying that Ross is a really headstrong lad, okay? He's a re- he's mature above his age, you know. he doesn't He's not flinching playing in front of the huge Rangers crowds there. Um, he's one of the maturest guys in the room. And he came to us because he thought it was the best place for his development. You know, he could have gone to Sunderland. He could have gone to other clubs as well. But he spoke to Kenny Jacket. He liked what he heard and it sold it to him. And he made that decision and came down to us. So when you think about is Gerard going to be annoyed if he's not playing and, you know, it's not best for his development? Yes. And I assume Ross McCrory maybe as well going forward. Uh, yeah, I didn't even take that into account. I think he's, I mean, I'm guessing yesterday he just, he just wanted to, to get on and play. Sure. Um, maybe the best thing for him probably wasn't to play um, because he would find a way back into the team. But um, yeah, I, I can imagine he's he's furious. He's, I mean, and I guess from the other side of it, from our side of him, my view on loan players is if you get a loan player in, you should really you should really be playing them because <laughs> um, otherwise, what, what what's the point in having them? Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how that. How that transpires in the next game, I think you, I think you might get in, get into the next team. But um, from what I've seen, actually, of him, I've, I've quite liked. But um, it, as I said, I think Jacket was just trying to f- work out that conundrum of how do I get those? There are two players fighting for three, uh, three players fighting for two positions, um, but I need all three to play. Yeah, I know. And, and if you look at it, I'll, I'll tell you this now, Rangers fans don't just think highly of him. They they see Ross as their potential future captain, a bit like Millwood with Ben Thompson, but on a much bigger scale with a much bigger media behind him. And if, yeah. he's, if he's not if he's not playing, I'm telling you now, Rangers fans are going to be up in arms about it. Yeah, yeah, and rightly so. And mm-hmm. rightly so. Um, yeah. And I think he'll want to as well. Yeah, he's, for sure, not, and he should he's do. Not, he's not come all this way to, you know, taking the sights of Gunwolf and um, see what the frat and atmosphere is like. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I completely understand that. Although it is nice and warm down here compared to living in shitty Glasgow. <sighs> yeah, I, I remember going there for the England game uh, a year ago. I, I don't think I would have lasted long in Glasgow. No, <laughs> no, neither do I. No, no. I'll, I'll take the title of soft southerner, mate. If it is <laughs> to live in the freezing north, I'll tell you that now. And <laughs> you're not too good in the cold then. 
I mean, I'm be- actually, I'm better in the cold than I am in the seething heat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm half Irish. I've got pasty skin. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. No wonder you don't want to go to Glasgow then. Yeah, I'll just fit into it. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might not let me leave again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's enough about Sunderland game. Let's let's move on to the let's move on to the next one. Um, oh one, joy! Let's move on to the one, James, that has ignited a certain fire. I'd say in, in the Pompey support in the front and faithful. Is this has been something that I don't think I've seen such a reaction from. And we're going to come on to everyone's point of view in a bit. Just we're going to go over the game first, and then we're going to, you know, talk about the questions everyone sent in. Um, and sorry we can't speak to ev- about everyone's because we would literally be here all night, James. Um, but it it was one of those games that, understandably, has upset people. Oh, more more than understandably, every single fan that booed has every single right to do so. Um, at the end of the game, um, you you left Fratton disgraceful, humiliating, embarrassing were the three words I think I I heard the most. And the worst thing about it was there wasn't even shock. Nobody was even sh- shocked that um, Coventry had got an equaliser. We could all see it coming. And I, I, I don't believe for a second that there was anyone in that ground who, when that substitution was made, thought, oh, we're going to get all three points here. Um it was just, do you know what? In a weird, weird way, walking out of that, it was honestly like that Sunderland semi-final game where it almost felt like your your season your season is over, but in this case, it's your season might not be what you thought it should be. And actually, are we as good as what we think we are? Or are we going to be fighting for the playoffs? Um, I mean, I would say this before before we get on to, to some of the questions is that look, although you there are people there who shoulder the blame with the manager, and we'll come on to that in a bit. But professional footballers should know how to keep the ball against ten men. Professional exactly. footballers should know how to keep the ball against nine men. Why are our wingers keep coming into the middle to collect the ball in the middle third of the pitch those the wide players should be having the whites of the touchlines on their boots we have players like you know Ben Close who is usually so reliable at finding a blue shirt um, and just just giving the ball away so so easily Um, but for me there is only one yeah I, I won't give all the blame to him but there is one person who should be taking the blame for this, um, and and that's the manager, undoubtedly. Um, and for those of you who, I mean, I've I've only ever booed the team three times. Once, oh, the shot away in the FA Cup, looting away in the FA Cup, mm-hmm. and then last night, and that wasn't aimed at the players. Um, maybe a bit of it, but. That was all, all to the manager because it was, it was just to to make that substitution of bringing Christian Burgess on. I'm not. This isn't to single out Christian. It's more 
look what that's saying to the opposition. Saying to the opposition, I'm bringing on a defender for a, for a forward because I am scared that we are going to throw this game away. Think of the boost that that's giving to 10-man, 9-man Coventry. And to then say, I was reading in the news where he was trying to justify this decision and he was saying, oh, yeah, it's because, you know, I'll we'll put Christian on so we could get more width. Like, forgive me if I'm wrong, but don't you create width further up the pitch? Isn't that, isn't that what you should be doing? And getting width further up the pitch, not taking off one of your forwards and one of one of your wide men to be doing this. Um, and Gareth Evans had done a fairly good job, mate, in that game as well at breaking it and scoring that goal. So you're almost taking off to the to the opposition a player who's a threat on the break, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, you're taking off a player who's a threat on the break. You're taking off your engine because let's we've we've all seen from Gareth Evans, he will run and run and run and run for ninety minutes. Whether whether you like that or not, that is what Gareth Evans will do. He has some engine on him, and to take him off, um, I, I just think is just absolutely staggering, um, and just such negative football, which I am so fed up of seeing. Um, that it for many people that was the final nail. In there, even the staunchest of Jenny Kenny Jacket fans have now have now said, "Look, that's it, that's it. We we've all seen enough now." Um, I know there are, there's some out there. You know, Twitter's a wonderful place, and uh, you can you can see all, all the views going round. That you know, there there are some people that are remaining loyal to to Jacket, and yeah, yeah, rightfully so. You're you're entitled. You're entitled that you want to see a manager last till the end of the season. I I see that, but um, I've also seen two seasons of absolutely shocking football, and I've I've had enough. Um, I think everyone everyone's had enough. I think Scott McLaughlin, who I spoke spoke to when we were leaving the ground, um, I think he, he summed it up perfectly when he said, "Mark this day as the day where it's the beginning of the end of the Kenny Jacket era." And I think he could be right. That's interesting, isn't it? I think that is literally what a lot of the uh, the listeners have been firing in as well um, in their questions to us. And it's a difficult one for me, James, because although I understand you're saying that there has been some dreadful football, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm definitely not an advocate of the sort of the hoof ball that's been going on you know my neck generally hurts sometimes before or after some of the games but at the same time we've not been a low scoring team I think it was 109 goals last season in, in 66 games I think it was off my head um, and you look at how we've been playing at the start of the season and I actually generally thought when you look at the switch to the 4-3-3 when you look at how we were pressing higher up the pitch before the Sunderland game, I was fairly confident that we were going to be playing a nicer brand of football, you know, playing that, playing close in a looser role, playing harness out, you know, out wide, further forward, bringing John Marcus into the equation, who's pressing the ball down, who's winning it, who, who's there as an option to score goals for us and turn some of these opportunities in, into, into results. Um, and then hopefully Ronan Curtis as well, you know, the revival of him or, you know, just getting yeah. his, his swagger back. I looked at that and I thought, do you know what? 
we could be a better passing team and a better attacking team this season. And I thought against Tranmere, we looked good. I, I expected more against Sunderland. I thought we beat them. It hasn't delivered. And it has come to something that has shooken my faith in what's going on, should we say? Yeah, I think, yeah, you're one of the few who's, I mean, you're one of those who's who's on the edge. There's a fair few people who have made the jump to the other side of the fence. I mean, I'll just read you one of the quotes which actually uh, struck a chord with me. On um, So, Pompey Shiv, um, this is, this. I mean, this is a bloke that goes home, home away, you know, Jacket is te- tactically inept and dangerous and dangerously negative. Happened at South End last year as well. With the players he has, we shouldn't be seeing that. It's easily not grabbing one or two more. There's quite a few fans who we'd have lost tonight. The negativity around him is evident. Um and it's you know, that that for me is is where many people are. I mean, this, some fans despise Cook during the shit result stage. And even when we went up, we, we still hated him. Never understood that until now, but it's 100% how I feel about Jacket. No matter what we do, if he stays, I'll never back him or like the bloke. All about getting behind the players now. This is where we are as a club. I think that, that last tweet there sums it up perfectly. There are now people going to Fratton who just absolutely cannot stand the manager. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll take your point about um, you know, we we scored lots of goals, but I mean, football now. Look at the winning's not enough, and you, there are going to be people listening to this and go, "Oh, you're talking absolute bollocks." Well, no, it's it's now football fans. The demands of a football fan has changed. If you go to a game, not only do you, you want to see your team win, you also want to be entertained as well. You know, that's why Everton got rid of Sam Allardyce and brought in Silver because they wanted an attractive brand in football. That's why Middlesbrough uh, sacked Tony Pulis and they've got Jonathan Woodgate in. That's why Ipswich sacked Mick McCarthy and, re- and then got in Paul Hurst. This is, you know, the demands of a football fan has changed. And really, Hugh, how many games have you been entertained under this style of football? That's an interesting how, how question. Many, how many games have you gone to over the last two seasons where you've come away and gone, oh, brilliant? I mean, God, I, I mean, I, I can imagine Man United shirt sales spiked today because of the kids for a quiz. <laughs> um, but I think people went out there and were like, right, that's it. I'm just trying oh, to think. Games on top of my head, I can remember that we won. Um, you just think easy team so i'm looking down the, the victories now actually and i can tell you now we can say which games were we entertained these are the 2019 up to now present um victories as such so afc wimbledon 2-1 don't think oh, that's too exciting is it south end in the cup 2-0 peterborough 1-0 in the cup i'm going down now Berry in the cup. Bradford 5-1 at home. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was good, but they were appalling. I'm going to say they were 20... Just to put you down there, they're 24th in the league uh, when we played them at the time. They were appalling. We won away at Walsall 3-2, although they were also 22nd in the league. Um, Scunthorpe 2-0 wasn't a great game. They were 23rd in the league. Shrewsbury 2-0, they were 18th in the league. Wickham away 3-2. That was an entertaining game, actually. I was there at that game, the Wickham game. Not necessarily because we dominated the game at all, just because it was a bit end-to-end and it was exciting. 17th. I think Rochdale is the only one there that looks 
4-1. Everything else, it has been this brand of football that maybe gets results, but if it doesn't get results, James, do you think that's going to be the difference that that's the end of the line for most people? Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly, no, I think it's the football. I, I mean, that's what I put it. I mean, I don't think people realise just how good we had it under Paul Cook. And there's going to be people now listening to it going, oh, this toss is going off about him again. But I, I cannot believe there are people who now look at the brand of football which Paul Cook was playing and go, oh, yeah, that, that is worse than what I'm watching now. Um, the, I mean, one of the stalwarts of a, of a Kenny Jacket team is he has a strong defence. Well, let's take a look at that defence from last night. Um, you know, the two centre-halves, you can probably say, oh, well, they're in their infancy with their partnership. Um, I didn't realise the drop-off from Matt Clark to that would be as big as it was. Um, that that was quite evident, and hopefully they need to improve fairly sharpish. We, As I said previously, we papered over the cracks with the right-back, um, so that that got exposed to what it was. Uh, Brandon Hornstrup, when he came on, he did all right. And I don't know how long Lee Brown's going to be out for. Um, so Brandon's going to get a, a shot in the team. So that could be really interesting to see and quite a youthful back four. So someone from that back four is going to have to step up and be a leader. I don't know which one it's going to be um, or whether Burgess comes, comes back into it. Um, but it's more just the, the aimless hoofball which I cannot get away from. And look, I've got no issue playing a ball direct if that's if, if there's a ball on. If there's an option on and you've got to go direct, you cannot play the ball on the ground constantly. I get that. But what I keep seeing is just people launching a ball and going, oh, he's going to run after that. Oh, he's going to run after that. It's... It's public, it's Sunday league football um, that we're watching. And, you know, some of the things, some of the things you hear and I get, I, I, I see people talking about like the passionate nature and the, um, you know, that's what I loved about Paul Cook, but that doesn't define necessarily the, define a manager. Um, so I it just, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating frustrating when you want to hear some passion from your manager you want to hear some you want to hear that he he feels how you do and you just don't get that off Kenny but then again that's that's not his makeup um but I I think I I I just I just think I've never heard frat I haven't heard fratten that toxic in a while it was just so noticeable and even Twitter now. Twitter's still toxic and it's 24 yeah. hours on. No, completely. Uh, I've got um, people been messaging in. So let's start with um, Andy, who's Andy Mitchamore, Pompey News now on the show. Uh, he did save me to prefix this uh, statement, I'm going to call it, with the fact that he doesn't necessarily want Kenny Jacket out, doesn't want him out now. But this is this is an interesting point of view from someone who shares a fairly similar point of view to me, James, and just how the atmosphere, as you said, was, was so toxic and the effect it has on people. He said, I'm usually one of the calmer heads in the fratten end. We've had some serious low points of crew and Oldham coming to mind straight away. Last night felt different, though. Normally, fan uh, reaction is quite heavily result-orientated. It's easy to criticise or praise with hindsight, but this was different. 
when it was obvious Burgess was coming on, so many people turned. The decision was the problem here, not necessarily the outcome or conceding the equaliser. Even if we edged that 3-2, there would have been huge issues after the game. The fact we did concede has just exaggerated the problem, but the problem was created by the ridiculous mindset. As soon as you play five at the back there, you tell the opposition you're worried and that you're not trying to score a fourth. Mark Catlin knows his football. He'll know who's messed up. Kenny Jackett uh, is going nowhere realistically, but Catlin will know who's responsible for this. Yeah, um, but it's the bigger issue is is that how long is... I mean, the way the Eisners do business and the way Sorante have do business, um, you know, they, they've explained it. So it's the slow, steady process. It's, you know, building the foundations. It is not... Everyone will know who is responsible for, or, you know, majorly responsible for that result last night. Um, so, Mark Catlin, if you are listening, <laughs> hello. Um, but... Um, brick by brick, James. Come on. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on his Christmas card list at the minute, and this probably ain't helping. But um, <laughs> yeah, they. Um, he he will know, but it's not in their nature to make a sacking four days in. It just it just isn't going to happen. Um, the fact that we're here recording on the Wednesday night, um, and, and Kenny Jackett's still here, probably tells you all you need to know. Um, he he's going to be around. He's going to be around for a while, at least. I mean, he's got what twenty one months left on his contract. That's that's the that for me is the bigger issue. Why why was he given a contract extension three months into the job without achieving anything? That for me is the crux of it. Why has he still got twenty one months left on the contract which he hadn't earned? No, I don't know the answer to that question. That's going to have to be put to the board, James, isn't it? Because for me, business sense-wise, if you talk about building a business and you know sustainability and all that, it seems an odd one when you know usually you would have given him a what contract you thought he was worth from the out rather than extending someone three months into a game. He got that contract in what July when when Cook left. So he had that contract in July, um, and then and then was it Chris Coleman left Wales, didn't he? And and they they reacted to that. But to trigger a new extension, which takes him up for you know from another twenty-one months on to now, without actually doing anything, without seeing if he's the right fit, um, for me is is bewildering. Um, but more, you do wonder how. Yeah, look, the fans have you know. There's many people who have who have now said, right, that's it, Kenny, and then that's that's the big thing that should come from it is you go. And that's exactly what I said, which is why I'm, you know, why I'm no longer on Express. I made the point after the Sunderland game where I said that, Kenny, thank you for what you've done. You've reduced the average age of the squad. You've um, got us in a better shape than what we came in here with. Um, however, now's, now's the time to say, right, I'll hand this over to somebody who's going to take Pompey onto the next level and take... Pompey on to play a much better brand of football than what we're doing now because he looked tactically out of his depth in that game um, and no, so far this season he looked tactically out of his depth against Sunderland he didn't quite know how to react to when Sunderland made a change um, after after we scored the goal um, he, he 
looks a bit pompy, looked like rabbit in the headlights at the minute um, and showing no signs of, of getting out of there from, from any time soon. But the bigger issue um, for me is, has he lost the dressing room? Is he beginning to lose the dressing room? I remember a journalist saying to me last Christmas, and he said, look at every club he's gone to. And every club he's gone to, he's lost the dressing room. Um, I probably should have done a bit more research into that before before saying it, but I'll, I'll take his word at face value. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone like Brett Pittman and, A, you don't play against Sunderland when you're chasing the game and your final change is to bring on a right back instead of bringing on one of the most lethal strikers in League One, you're going to be furious. You then come to Tuesday night, your, your team have just thrown away um, a two-goal lead to go three-all against nine men. Um, you're the captain of the club. You're sent down to warm up. You warm up and then you get told, no, sit back down. Sit back down on the seat. And there's still a change to go. And then three minutes later, he has to go get up again because he's coming on. Um, and there's going to be other players who feel feel quite quite annoyed. And you just wonder... Maybe it's not just the fans that are beginning to turn, but it's going to be, it might well be the dressing room as well. This is purely based on, you know, uh, hypothetical, but I've got no inside knowledge or or anything anything like that. Intuition, James. Intuition, intuition. I know there are some players who who aren't best friends with Mr. Jacket, put it like that. Um, And I don't think, and so. Um, I'm sure you get that at every club, but it's um, that could be one to follow over the next couple of weeks. No, and I think I think with any team with you know the size of as of Portsmouth generally and just that man management, I think it's it's a difficult one to say. But Brett Pittman being, I I generally thought Brett Pittman wouldn't be the captain this season, James. No, I, you wouldn't be I alone thought, in that. I thought he would. Um, I thought he would have put someone else in. Tom Naylor maybe would have been a, a good suggestion, in my opinion. Um, he just he doesn't play. That's the first thing. I think it's odd to be in the captain being sat on the bench, you know. If we were a team of 22-year-olds, all really young, and you had this old-timer who is, you know, late 30s or something and sort of hung around and everyone liked him or whatever, odd, but I can understand, I suppose. But you know, Brett Pittman's not old. He's the same age as Gareth Evans. Um and I'm sure he wants to be playing football for a quite a long, well, a longer time than he is now. Um, yeah, so he's, he's a lethal striker. You, you know, you don't lose that striker's instinct. But yeah, um, but I, but think, the, I don't think he's captain... playing the same, James. I I don't think I don't I, think he's. I I'll be honest, yeah, and we'll we'll disagree on this one because we discussed this ourselves. And yes, when he came back into the team at the end of last season, and I thought he did well, but I did look to the, the style of football we're playing, and I thought to play a dynamic upbeat tempo system I don't think Pittman fits at number 10 when have you seen that on the jacket well I haven't but I'm saying I yeah, want that's, to, that's, that's the system I want to play though James I want yeah, to play that's the quick, system I want to play tempo high press system yeah um and I, that that is why I was talking about um just to change to 4-3-3 and players like close being given more freedom having more, more mobility up front with Marquez rather than um, Hawkins up front, no disrespect to Ollie Hawkins, but you know, he's not the quickest in that sense, is he? And you can just see what you know, Marcos did the other day when he charged the ball down to end up in 
for the goal for Ronan Curtis. And we look like we're pressing a lot higher. And I felt that if we can get it right with a high press and a 4-3-3, that could change the style of football we play. And that's why I didn't... That's why I maybe understood that Brett Pittman wasn't starting. Yeah, but I mean, I I thought that about Pittman when he first signed and I, I had my reservations. And then... I sort of had it pointed out to me in the office and said, you know, if you're if you're there to watch people run fast and you know just just run and stuff, why don't you get a ticket to the athletics? Um, and actually, my my view on that has actually completely changed. I couldn't care less if Brett Pittman's having a beer and a fag with us in the Fratton end, to be quite honest, for eighty minutes because I know if he's on there for ten minutes and you give him the service, Brett Pittman will score. And given how worrying and how fragile that defence is looking. At the minute, we need goals, and you've got Brett Pittman just sat on the bench. Um, you completely know, agree, though, James. Bring him while, on. I, I, as, as an impact player, I, I, I'm all for it, mate. I can see that. You, you need a goal. You've got 10 minutes to go, but you've got to give him 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Not, not two minutes, not one minute. I, I, I generally think that Brett Pittman's a great player to be able to bring on for the last 10, 15 minutes when you need a goal. But I don't I think there's any easy starts. I'd start him. I, I would start him. I, I don't know why he's not starting. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know why he's not starting um, because it's going to be a case over the next couple of weeks unless we unless we get in some defenders until Jack comes back. Um, we are going to be... It's going to be a case of you score three, we score four. Um and that is the only way we're going to be able to get wins because I don't, I mean, this is, I mean, one for your coupons has to be both teams to score in any Pompey game for the next five or six games because it's coming in um, because yeah, there's no way sure. we're, holding them, we're holding any team. Let, let's be honest here though with this, James. If you want to start Pittman, where do you want to, who do you want to sacrifice? What player are we thinking of? Because you'd have to change the system. So I'm guessing you don't want to take Marcus out up front and play Pittman up top on his own no I would sacrifice Evans what and play 4-4-2 no 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 um, uh, in, in Kenny's in Kenny's system in the Kenny jacket 4-2-3-1 yeah. yeah yeah it would I mean yeah it's more this is how I would fit Pittman into the into the system rather than um this is I don't know I I don't buy I I, don't, I try not to buy too much into to systems and formations and um uh, and stuff like that but I think that's I I would have Pittman and Marquez on the same on the pitch together um because because we need goals we need goals badly yeah okay mate do you know what let's let's go and see what what other people think because there's a few messages to get through um ben ellis a friend of the show says enough is enough the fans are not even split anymore everyone wants the same outcome jack it out so yeah. you can see what ben <laughs> thinks about it um henry adams he just wrote an article for us so thanks for that henry but is the lack of defensive leaders going to hurt pompey long term yes when brown went off we looked completely different from the back four from last season. With an average age of 24, the manner of the goals looks more of a leadership communication issue than anything else. The one point I would throw back to that, was Matt Clark a leader last season? I think he was actually, yeah. Yeah, see, I, in that case, a, you, you don't, you know, 
leaders aren't defined by age. Leaders are defined by what they do. And now it's time for somebody to step up and take that role. And somebody downing, ragged, um, has got to has got to fully take responsibility for that. Um, because I'm guessing that that is Kenny's preferred back to um, whether or, or whether Christian Burgess comes in, he knows he will then have to step up and be a leader. But promotion teams, I always feel, are made up. It's not just one leader made up of a team of leaders. Yeah, of course. Um, so someone's got to step up and step up very quickly um, and make themselves heard. No, for sure. And, you know, I've said this a few times in the podcast, I won't labour the point, but, you know, when me and Matt being down and interviewed the, the academy lads and gone down to Bognor and spoke to the, the likes of Lethbridge, Dandy, etc., um, they've all come back and said that, you know, Matt Clark's the player. They, they got a question. They went to him. You know, he's the guy who made it at that young age, and he's the guy who came down and you know helped on the training pitch and gave him advice all kinds of time. So, leading by example and, and being that inspirational figure for young players doesn't have to be well, and the older players on the pitch doesn't have to be age driven. I agree. No, um, it's it's not. It's it's about what you do on the pitch and define yourself by what you do on the pitch. Um, you know, J- Jack Grealish playing for Villa, he's, he's undoubtedly a leader. He's, he's not particularly old. Um, it, Matt Clark, as we were saying last season, he's not particularly old. Jed Wallace, when he was scoring goals for us, he was undoubtedly a leader. Uh, ben Thompson, he's a young player. These are just names that are just springing to my mind um, as we're talking about it. Yeah. So I, I, I get what he's trying, trying to say. Um, I simply don't, um, I, I don't agree. I think it's now up to players to make themselves heard. But you do agree it's a lack of leadership at the back, not just not age-driven. Um, yeah, I'd say like especially that third goal. I mean, yeah, playing against nine men, the geezer's what got three three yards of free space around him. I mean, how how the bloody hell has that been allowed to happen? I need to watch it back, James, because I'm interested to see the marking system that they're trying to play because it doesn't look very zonal to me. And when you've got two more players than the other team, you think it can't be man-marking, right? Well, it, it were. the guys who scored definitely weren't man-marked. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't understand what's wrong with, like, in that situation, I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, um, but why, why you don't pick up why don't you don't you don't pick up the men man for man couple of players free um which you can put in key zonal positions and, and go from there um marking appalling um again this is you know Kenny Jacket known for getting a rock solid defense that was far far from 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 rock solid um and, and why again that change should have been of an attacking nature instead of this anti-football fight fire with fire and go out, put a striker on, put that game to bed. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But at the same time, I know that Kenny Jackett uses a zonal marking system. I just remembered that because I heard him babble on about it at the um, Solent Fan Forum when I was in attendance, saying that you know Brett Pittman's quite good at heading the ball out from defensive situations but he's not going to be man marking running someone around no offense to Brian, oh, some young God, lads. That, that, geez, i mean that that just sums it up to me he's got yeah oh, oh, his, his key strength of his leader is that he heads the ball out from he heads the ball out from from the back 
Um, yeah, I, that, <laughs> that also angers me as well when we see when ev- all of our men go back. Um, all of our men go back for corners, uh, for free kicks. Why? Because undoubtedly when, when the defender hoofs the ball upfield, Guess what, lads? It's coming straight back because nobody is up the pitch. Yeah, I can tell you, you actually answered that question, mate. He actually said it's because such a high percentage of goals come from set pieces, which we're obviously finding out at the moment, um, that it's statistically worth it, apparently, to have that player back rather than the chance to break on the other way around. Yeah, so it's what... It, oh. It's a defensive first mentality towards stats, isn't it? It's a stats backup of a defence um, first approach to football. No, yeah, no, I'd, uh, not for me, Hugh. Not right, let's go. To, let's go to Chris Dodd. He says uh, we punched above our weight last season. Our team wasn't good enough then. It's not good enough now. Mid-table finish for us this season. And that won't be good enough to keep your job. It's as simple as that. You've gone out and spent millions on John Marquez. You spent, um, I think it was a million on on Harness. 800 grand, I think it was, 100 it? grand on Marquez mm-hmm. Harness. Um, you've gone out and got a lad, a lad from Rangers in in McCrory, who I'm sure we're, we're probably picking up the wages for. Yeah. Um, this the The owners talk about continuous improvement. Well, continuous improvement to me is well it's promotion um and it, the players who came when they interviewed them last season they made no secret that the target was promotion so in my book they failed last season but i guess you can forgive them that this season there is no ifs there is no buts you get out of this league because you have two of the best strikers in the division in your team you've also got a solid goalkeeper in Craig McGilvery yeah, you've got yeah. a brilliant attacker in Marcus Harness um, there there is no there is no hiding place there is no um, excuse for you know we're talking here about the defence being fragile I don't care I don't want to hear about it next season we have to be playing championship football or there have to be some big changes on the touchline if you even get that far. I'll be honest, James. I think Downing looks pretty good at the back. I think he looks good, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he's looked positionally fair, okay as well, to be honest. I thought he looked, I thought he looked okay um, against Sunderland. I thought he was the only defender that looked pretty decent um, at the back four. And I think watching him, he's got the ability to be decent. I just think that it hasn't gelled. And I thought Raggett yesterday really looked like he hadn't played much football at all. Obviously, Lee Brown went off. No, not great yeah. either. Uh, Anton Walks again. has you know He's really imploded. You can't play McCrory at right back. He's wasted there, as we've already discussed. We do have options. Let's hope James Bolton comes back. Because if we can steady the shift, as they always say, at the back, James, there's no reason why this team can't go on and score a bag full of goals from what I've seen so far. Yeah, but I mean, the, the one thing I would say about Downing is that he was strong in the air, um, but there was just a couple of times where he just got the wrong side of the man. Um, and you just, you're just there screaming, goal side, goal side, get goal side. Um, that would be my, 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 only, my only slight, slight concern. Um, Do you want to see Burgess at the back partnering him? Um. That's a good question. Um, I suppose it's it's hard to judge 
rag it on one game, but um, I, I thought I thought Christian Burgess has, has done all right actually. Um, he has those moments in games when he switch off, like Paul Cook would tell you that. There's there will just be moments where Burgess, for whatever reason, just switches off. Um, so if you can ride those, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably have Burgess and and Downing. But the one thing that was worrying me, and I know, I'm sure players might sort of look on Twitter and stuff and see all the things about hoof ball, but the amount of hospital balls that were being played in and around our area yesterday. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a concern. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the passing generally yesterday was pretty, pretty awful, wasn't it? I think it's fair to say, especially at the back. And um, it shouldn't be too difficult because we've got good passing midfielders in Ben Close. Uh, Ross McCrory is a decent passer as well. A very tidy passer um, playing in the middle. Tom Naylor's passing is improving. Ronan Curtis needs to keep it simple, but, you know, it will help him get in that goal, wouldn't it? And Marcus Harness is probably the best crosser in the team at the moment. Yeah, um, although I, I still think he could probably work on the the final ball a bit. Um, but well, if you look at yeah. that cross he put in for Ronan Curtis, yeah, 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 it's yeah. A great goal. Yeah, uh, no, um, yeah, I mean he put it. I mean it was Curtis had. I mean that's that's the kind of service that we should be that our strikers should be getting, putting it into place like to Curtis. Curtis had no choice. His only choice was to score. It, it was put in such a good position. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, uh, I, I would, I would agree with you, but, um, it would be good. I thought Curtis movement actually off the ball as well. And in, and the link up playing to, to Hornstrap as well, um, was Mark, you know, was, was, uh, much improved and you just hope, you just hope that goal kicks, kicks him on a bit. Um, I mean, what the question I'd ask to you is like, if if Curtis, I mean, who who gets in ahead of Curtis? We don't have any wingers, mate. See, this is this is where you need competition for places. Because Williams, for instance, I haven't seen him play, if I'm honest, or well, not much I can recall. But I spoke to a, a Rotherham reporter on it, and he said, "Good luck," because he makes a lot of noise, but he doesn't really produce anything. Um, in League One or, or the Championship. Um, they thought he was massively overhyped at Rotherham. They gave him a load of chances. They, they thought the manager was overly nice to him. Um, and then he fucked them over and just left on a free. But as far as they were concerned, he wasn't the person who's going to create goals. So, you know, when you lose someone like, I don't know, David Wheeler, for instance, who was a squad player last season, I've got to say that I have a lot more faith in someone like him being able to create some opportunities for our strikers. Hmm. No, interesting. I, I I won't I won't judge him until I've seen him play. But um, yeah, no, that'd be an interesting one. But I just I just look at that position. Um, it was funny enough when people were um, talking about uh, Maloney. Um, it was a, a Twitter Twitter debate yeah, going on it. whether you could. Um, I mean, I would have thrown him on just to see what he can do, and he might bring a bit of excitement. And I mean, this is this is where we are now. Going to Fratton. He's not Park, ready, mate. He's not ready. I've seen him play. He's not. He's not Hugh, ready. Let's let's get right. Going to Fratton Park at the minute's a chore. That's that that's how <laughs> that's how I'm looking at it. At no point when I was sat at my desk did I ever get that. Oh, I'm going football. I'm going football tonight. Yeah, look, it, I just didn't get that. 
it just felt like a chore and I was doing it because I paid X amount to have a season ticket. Um, and if we're going to see someone like Leon Maloney come on, um, why not? Why not? And actually, everyone's saying he's not ready. He's not ready. Well, nobody's seen him in the first team game. Let's find out if he's not ready. Let's see if he sinks or swims. Let's give us some excitement, something to actually go, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the like homegrown academy lads. Um, then again, I do take that it could go the other way. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand they want to go and watch something that you know they're exciting in, in that case. But James, honestly, if, if you if you're thinking like that, I'd get yourselves down to um, to teams like Bogner who have the likes of Leftbridge and people on loan at the moment. Go watch them play. They are improving season by season, and you know doing really well. And maybe we can start introducing some of them to the first team. But in a toxic atmosphere, in a, you know, in a game like this, I don't think it's the right time to start throwing on young players and possibly ruining their confidence. Yeah, but it could be the making of them. No, Jack Chapman was introduced at 17. And look where he is now. He's banging in goals for Barnsley. Also told he wasn't good enough for Pompey. Ah, yeah. He's done well. As, I, as people know, listening to the podcast, I've got a lot of... Um, Barnsley, Barnsley uh, supporters in my office, so um, I keep him up to date. And I saw his goal the other day; is good, and they're optimistic about his, how he's playing. So just hope he's playing ten as well. Do you know that? Yeah, I, I always thought you could build a team around Connor Chapman. He's playing ten. So ironically, we're talking about who, you know, probably fans are talking about who can play this number ten role, and you know, we haven't got a player to play there. Barnsley played four two three one, and they played Connor Chaplin behind Woodrow. Yeah, well, oh, that sounds like quite an exciting scene to watch, but uh... it's just entertaining. You're thinking the thought of who can play there, and you've got Marquez. He's very sort of, you know, built in a, built in that way that Woodrow is as well, getting the ball and stuff, and you think it wouldn't be very different in a style of football to have Connor playing behind him at number 10, but that's an alternative reality, isn't it really, James? Um, yeah. Is there, is there anything else? I'll read out some random things and people just said, um, the way we lobbed promotion away last season was enough for most of us to turn. Last night ended it. We want a manager who plays football and plays the win, jack it out. A low point, but I says uh, DJB. Dave uh, J Sims says a low point, but I suppose we should be happy. This is a hard league. We will know more by Christmas. I feel very sorry for Coventry fans. They deserve so much better. As the Berry and Bolton, we know their pain. Hey, it could be worse, eh? Basically. Oh yeah. Worse, um, no. I... I'm not justifying our league position and performances that we could be a Bury and Bolton fan. I'm sorry. It's, football is a ruthless business. Um, look, everyone sympathises with their plight. Everyone sympathises with how they're going. But I'm not using their their predicaments to somehow justify our performances and justify um, where where we are in the table. Um, we, yeah. So, James, let's just go on to about justifying. And our um, chairman, Michael Eisner, came out and made a statement, didn't he? Um, after the game, he's obviously come out and thought, you know, I'm going to back my man. I'm going to talk about it. Well, it was actually today he posted it. He says, disappointing Tuesday at Fratton Park on the pitch and on iFollow, due to the dreadful coverage. And he was watching that. But Mark and Kenny will, um, but Mark and Kenny will, with the support of the fans, steer the ship and skill and passion as we only play 43 more league matches. 
Yeah. Um, do you know what? Credit to him for sticking his head above the parapet um, and say, because I think the silence was deafening. I think something needed to be said. I don't think this is the the vote of confidence which many fans are, um, are hoping it is. I, I do genuinely think when he says, we play 43 more league matches, I think we'll be playing 43 more league matches with Kenny Jacket in charge. Um, yeah, I, I do, I do as well, James. I do as well. And this is is the bit I don't understand with the line. Um, It's the bit the Mark Kelly will and the support of the fans will steer the ship with skill and passion. The things the fans are moaning about is the skill or what we're paying to watch considering season ticket prices have gone up and people are looking at it and saying, you know, what have I... You know, you're, I'm paying extra for this, or I, I get pylons don't move themselves. But the standard of football hasn't improved. Um, also, Pompey Lager's gone up to four quid. That was a shock to the wallet. Um, yeah. Also, the passion. And someone from, I think it was um, from the Frat and Faithful, where they pulled up the interview from Paul Cook after the exit game. And I sat down and, and listened to that today and just went. This, yeah. is, this is this is what I want to hear. Um, and when you compare the two, I mean, I'm guessing he means the passion from the fans. But I mean, I, I'll take I'll take the point of you know you you got get behind the team, get behind the manager. Well, you know when you've got a general that nobody's following anymore, how can we get behind? How can you ask? Because I read out the earlier tweet from me and Shiverton. People are no longer behind him. People are no longer. I mean, people—they're no longer not wanting him to succeed, but they're no longer following him. Um, I, I still—I still think though, James, that even if it's the case, until the players you feel in the dressing room aren't following him, and it's something that's very difficult for fans to tell that, isn't it? Um, then. You've got to somehow, so you've got to put whatever you think aside in some ways, because I'll tell you this, I don't think Kenny Jacket is going to go anywhere, especially not before Christmas. Maybe they'll reassess at Christmas. I doubt it. As we said, Michael Eisner, he's used to that slow build American system. You know, anyone who sports, I don't know, I'm a big ice hockey fan, would know that coaches don't get sacked generally after one year. They're given years to build, to bring young players through. It's all about drafting, developing. Um, and then, you know, three years, five years, ten but, years later, you can do it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that's a, a right model, and that's not really how English football is treated generally. But you have to be moving in the right direction. And it's more about a directional thing. It's more about, uh, is this club moving forward? If it isn't, and I think the development isn't there across the board of the club, not just because the, a manager in English football is almost more, you know, has more input, I say, than a coach in American sports. Yeah. And I think I... People have got to realise that that's the mentality that the owners have, good or bad, towards the club, James. And, you know, we can either do two things. We can turn up and um, just be up, you know, throw our toys out the pram and show a displeasure, or we have to try and back the lads, aren't we? I'm look. Everyone who goes there is there to back is there backing the players. Um, that was abundantly evident when they came round to the frat and end after the game, and the same people who were booing them um, at the well, 
booing at the final whistle were then clapping those players, um, even though you know they're not they're not faultless in Tuesday night. There was that respect. All right, you've just been you've just you know you've been sent in by him, and actually the the booze are, are, are for your leader. The bit about you know where you talked about the American sports and the drafting and the developing. Well, we're playing with a manager who just doesn't seem to trust. Doesn't seem to trust. I guess the the homegrown. You know, Ben Close didn't start the first game of uh, this season, despite being the best player uh, by a country mile towards towards the end of last season and should have been given his chance. Brandon Hornstrup has been more than patient waiting for his chance and has only been allowed to play because of an injury. And then when it's come to the back end of the Checker trade game, um, you know, he, he should have been in that final. He should have been playing. Um, I mean, the bit about the American sports, I'll just, I guess, refer it to Michael Eisner's beloved LA Rams. Um, you know, Michael, if you, if you are listening, um, that, his there was a coach there a couple of seasons ago called Jeff Fisher. He was very much like Kenny Jacket in this scenario. He was very safety first, heavy on the defense, uh, pretty turgid stuff to watch, to be quite honest. Um, and then the Rams said, "Right, we've had enough of this. We've heard you. We've got rid of him, and we've brought in this sort of young, inexperienced bloke um, who's done a bit of coach, done a bit of learning." But he's an offense or attacking-minded person. He's bringing a new dimension to it. He's going to make us exciting again. Guess what? They're the best team in the NFL, and they're exciting to watch. And they're on the uh, prime time. Uh, what will be Sky Sports over here? And I just hope, upon hope, that Michael Eisner's looking at his his Los Angeles Rams and going, "I could do that with Pompey. I've got the manager who's set the foundations like Kenny has." And now we're going to take them to the next level. I, and it's, and you know, and, it, and it, I'm saying it and I don't even believe it because I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah. No, no, I don't think it is. But James, I think it's an interesting point you made there. The only thing I disagree with is that everyone knows the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Go birds. Yeah, precisely, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all about that um all right do you know what i think we've i think we've covered most of this stuff this topic do you yeah yeah i probably there might be a few people listening to this who probably feel a bit underwhelmed uh, <laughs> uh with with uh uh considering my tweet from earlier on today but i think i think let's let i mean let's go through it and say we our next home our next game yeah the league is against is against Blackpool who are top of the league and flying what happens if we lose that because we are going to be so far behind and we were still in August and then suddenly you have a home game against Southend, which might not even be on, as do that game with Berry, which might not be on. So you've got, but let's just say for argument's sake, that game against Southend is is on. Yeah, I, I'd expect it more likely to be on. The Berry game is obviously you know. Southend. If if you thought that that end of the end of that game, uh, the Coventry game was toxic. Imagine what Southend could be. 
that could be an atmosphere which gets a manager sacked. I don't think... I think it'd be quite... I mean, I'll be honest, you know, Coventry are a pretty decent team. You know, we saw, I saw them last so season at Fratton Park. You know, I know, they, I know they, are, they are, aren't they? Jordi Hawua. Hawua? Yeah, yeah. I love him. I think he's a quality player, mate. He's, he's fun to watch. They bought on. And they just kept running and running and what you know using the wing backs um using the width um they were just such and we we thought that last season as well um that they were a fun and energetic side and it, it was again stood they kind of oh, I wouldn't mind I mean obviously with their situation you probably wouldn't want to be a Coventry fan at the minute but you got I wouldn't mind watching a team like this I wouldn't mind you want to be you want to be proud of your team Win, lose, or draw, you want to be you want to be proud of them that you come away and you go, do you know what? They've given that a real good go, and there are Pompey fans who have been going for years, going for longer than I have, leaving the ground, just absolutely disgusted with what they saw. Um, and I've heard some of them have called the the substitution one of the worst tactical, one of the worst tactical changes they've seen in all the years of going to Fratton. And these aren't sort of like idiotic fans; these are fans which I actually quite respect um and and have a, a high um you know and listen to their opinion a lot because I, I think what they say has a lot of validity um mm-hmm. and i keep referring to this quote and i keep referring to this bloke actually but um i keep referring to paul cook's phrase of a team reflects a manager and he is so right we are boring we are outdated um we are we are in need of freshening up. Um, and if we're going to end it on that point, um, I've probably now burnt all my bridges. So uh, enjoy listening to the football hours of Jake Smith for the remainder of the season. If Mark Catlin's listening to this, um, he doesn't listen to our podcast, mate. Let's be honest. Thank God. Uh, not, not cause your <laughs> podcast back more that, <laughs> but um, I didn't take it that way, James. Let's dude, be honest. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> do you, do you, <laughs> do you, I just, I just don't think that. Um, I mean, I, I've met him obviously a few times, and he's never once. But even when I did the interview with him, he wasn't like, "Oh, I've heard your podcast." He was like, "Oh, what do you do?" So I don't think he, um, I don't think he tunes in, mate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if we're going to end it, end it on that point, I think, I think the time has probably come now where you you look at it and go, "This, this cannot go on." Um, Bunky, who I work with, um, made the point to me at work, um, work early doors, uh, and said, if we carry on this pace, we're on course for 46 points, which wasn't enough, I don't think, to keep you up last year. Look, I, I, I don't think we, we will continue on this pace. I think we'll pick up some wins along the way. Um, but, you know, we're not here just to, you know, here for the jolly and here for the, um, here, here just to, to make up the numbers we should be one of the leading candidates from this league to to go up um there's there's no no excuses no excuses for that so it could be very interesting to see i was just, I was just looking at the michael eisen tweet actually just there is very very few oh he's oh don't don't sack kenny everything is jack it out jack it out jack it out and if it, I think it could take one result 
against Blackpool. And there's going to be a wave more people who are jumping to the other side of the fence. I, I think that where, where do you think it is at the minute? I, I think the, the jacket out is probably in the majority at the minute. It's hard to judge, James, isn't it? I, I mean, Twitter's usually more vocal than yeah, in the stands true. over real life. I'd say that you, I mean, last season, James, I was having this conversation with people on the podcast, and I was having this conversation that. You know, when we're going through that horrible run in January or February, whatever it was, um, and people wanted him out then, and it looked like the whole of Twitter wanted Kenny Jacket fired. But when the results turned around, most of those people just sort of turned around as well and were like, okay, and back on the train, and the moaning stopped a bit. So, you know what? I I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think people have now, it's gone too far. It's gone too far, like the other way now, where actually the result is almost secondary to the performance. That's interesting. I think I think that's a little bit picking up on what Andy said about the fact that it was more about the tactical decision to bring on Burgess to upset people, no matter what result came from it, and and just the hoofball, yeah. lack of lack of any real urgency, I guess, and. A lack of uh, Kenny seeming to adapt anything and the safety first nature of of the performances. Um, I think people want to see him roll the dice, roll the dice a bit more. That is, um, yeah, that that is clearly evident. So, James, just to do the last thing I said we do on this podcast. I actually said I'd preview the QPR game. Yep. I don't know if you remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I'm going to put it out there. I've done little to no preparation for this part of the podcast because I've had so much interaction on the rest of it, um, and there weren't any decent stats out there to go through. But um, is yeah. there any more like is there any more sort of like quotes, that, uh, tweets that have come in, or is it like questions? There's loads, I suppose. I can oh, go nice. through some more. Um, let's have a look, mate. Let's have a look and see what I saved because there were so many. I've tried to not go through everything that's been duplicated, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my actual question came out and I said, Pompey uh, scraped to 1 1 draw. Um, and someone said, That says enough, doesn't it, Hugh? Basically, um, <laughs> scraping a 1 1 draw. Um, let's have a look. Questions. Blah, blah. Okay. Uh, Stephen uh, Lane at PO Forecast. Where were the leaders on the pitch? Question two, where was the leadership off the pitch? Interesting. We've all covered that already. Um, Jackets Jacket said, forget who's manager. Club wants a brand and we don't have one. We're in limbo. Shouldn't matter who's in charge. Should play for a way. Find a boss who fits our way. Got a single coach. We worked between the first team all the way through to the youth team. A big workload. No base to build upon long-term and bring guys through. So you say we don't have an identity, effectively. Yeah. So um, Stephen Phillips said... Steve even, mate. Uh, the turning point will be when Jacket gets his P45, in comments to my thing. <laughs> um, it's a turning point for fans and Jacket, Yes. 
South End last season, the completely pathetic and object effort in the playoff second leg, and now this. No more benefit of the doubt. He's had long enough now, and there are still too many problems to fit into a tweet. That's um, DPK1981. Do you know what? I, I still I think there's a lot of people who still have not forgiven that uh, Sunderland game. Um, in the in the playoff semi final, there is still a lot of people who are still burnt from that, uh, where it was just we would. It was such an absolute never... start of the game, James, wasn't it? I remember being in the front end, and you know everyone was a bit edgy because of what happened in the first game. There's no lie about it, but we were all up for it, weren't we? And um, it was noisy, and then just nothing happened on the pitch. Well, no, because the 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 players were too busy trying to scrap the Sunderland players. At no point did we ever look like scoring. At no point was there any creativity. It was just lumping balls forward to that uh, Ozerk who, who managed to win everything in the air. Um, no leadership. No leadership at all. Um, and I think that's that's where people now have... Because and this to everyone on Twitter who says, oh, you know, you can't sack a manager after four games. You can't. Why are people calling for his head? It's ridiculous. We're only four games into the season. We're not talking about four games. We're talking about a previous two seasons of this um, that people have now just had enough. Um, and it's 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 almost at the point of the point of no return. This is, do you remember the day? This is almost like the end of Orford in the end of Barker. This. I think it could take one bad result and we're going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of awful managers the other day. People were talking about, you know, Pompey managers of the past and Richie Barker was truly a fucking awful manager as well to watch. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But I've, I, there is a bit of, I mean, it almost says, it's like, um, when you put out the thing um, uh, about that and people were talking about who would you replace Kenny Jacket with? Um, and one of the shouts as a joke sort of came back as a Wenger. And yeah, like, I saw does, that, yeah. This does sort of <laughs> remind, this is, I mean, very, very loose, but remind me a bit of Wenger where for the first for the first bit, yep, the rebuilding and yeah, he's successful, but now he's almost ruining his legacy the longer Jacket's going on. And the longer Jacket's going on, the worse it's getting for him. Whereas if he had just bowed out in the summer, people would applaud him and say well done for well done for building the foundations and the you know the next person to come in hopefully takes us forward i saw someone say uh, jack it out and one of the pompey fans replied with ross in <laughs> that was funny <laughs> <laughs> oh god where is this thing sunderland come from it's mad i know man's mad isn't it <laughs> I saw uh, I saw a poll and it was uh, going through rivalries and they they think polled like I think it was three thousand to four thousand fans of each team and um, for us it was the most hated teams and it came up something like um, obviously the Scummers then followed by Sunderland and then it was someone really odd like Oxford and then it was followed by um, I think Plymouth for sixth yeah. or something. That's mad, but yeah, I think the football in the northeast is just one of the biggest. One of the biggest hype jobs going. I mean, they go, we listen to it on like TalkSport and stuff, and they say, "Oh, they, they've, tr- oh, they always come in their numbers." You know, how can you not want to play in front of like 
and the 40,000 people every week. Well, there's a lot of them who come dressed as red, red empty seats then. It's, oh, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, is there anything else we should cover, James? No, I think... No? I will apologise now to anyone who's listened to that and thought, oh, he's, oh I'm listening to this because he's going to go off on one. And really, uh, uh, unfortunately, we're doing this at eight o'clock, so I've had a chance to calm down. So apologies if you were let down a bit by the... Uh, by the non-rant, as it were. But that's not how you do things on here, in fairness. So, thought yeah. I'd try and fit in with the house style. No, that's cool, James. And I said to you, we'll just we'll just talk it out and see where the conversation goes. Really, isn't it? Um, how do you? What, what's your view on him then? What, what's your? How, how how do you see the landline at the minute? Do you do you give him more games? Do you give him till Christmas, or would you give him till the season? I, I want to see it till Christmas, James, and then and then assess. But from a sensible point of view, if I'm honest, yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit pragmatic in my head, and I'm just thinking he's not going to go. So, from a perspective of thinking about how we can make changes that realistically work, it's a little bit like you. Um, I asked you how you want to fit Pittman into the system, and you answered by telling me where in Kenny Jacket system you fit him in. Yeah. I'm just I don't I don't think the man the manager's not going to be I would be absolutely surprised James I'd be flabbergasted mate if with the ownership we've got um and how and what they think of Kenny etc if they came out if we lost the next three games for instance and they came out and sat I'd still be ridiculously surprised about that I mean James I was hopeful a couple of weeks ago especially on the level that I thought Okay, four three three. I, as I said to you already, I thought we, you know, the system looked good. I thought we were going to press high. I didn't. We weren't necessarily hoofing the ball up. I thought that, you know the style had changed a bit. So my opinion on I, I didn't want the manager sacked, especially a couple of weeks ago. But it's been dreadful the last week, James. But I'm not definitely not ready to say I want to to get the manager out from now. No, no, it's. Uh... No, I, I no, I understand that. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting how this plays out. I mean, and that's the other thing that probably isn't in his favour is there is absolutely zero connection with the fans at all. Sometimes they can help you through it a bit. Sometimes they can um, help you get a few more games than maybe than maybe you should. Um, I mean, there's zero connection with us. He obviously doesn't care. What, what we think he, he would do it in his way, which you know, to some extent could be commended. Um, but, I mean, we can't all be seeing the same thing differently to him and he'd be right and we'd be wrong. Um, I So the only thing which is going to change is if there's a revolt from the fans. But then again, I, I don't know how seriously the Eisners will take it. I just don't think it'll make a difference, mate. Just approach to approach the fans, to approach to how they run a club and the approach to the, the media they have. I just don't I just don't see it happening, mate. I it is, honestly don't. It is that bit where you this is the moment where you realise that or at least maybe we've had it I've had it a bit longer than most, um, that football is a business. Um yeah. where you've had the years of ownership under the fans and, and you've you've had and now you're getting to the point where it's like Football's a business, and actually, nobody at the top really gives a fuck what we think because they think their way's best and they're going to continue with it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, mate, that is completely what's going to happen. 
So, and I will we'll put it out there. We'll I quite see. like. I do. I I I do quite like the ownership of this club, despite what's happened to sort of me at Express. I do think that they they're quite sensible, and you know, I've got the utmost respect for for what they did and what they've done. I just think this is this is. I mean, this could be a, a topic for future for future PI forecasts. This is the first real challenge which they have faced um, so far. It's pretty much been plain sailing, hasn't it? When yeah, it has. The first season, League One, yep. Well, yep, let's scratch that one. Second season, right, okay. okay, you got to Wembley, you lost that in the semi-final, but, you know, you gave the fans a day out at Wembley. Right, tick that. Now they are facing the Lions then. Now they're seeing the other side of Pompey, which they haven't seen before. Yeah, they get some quite dis- really disgusting comments on Twitter every now and then, but they've not seen a whole fan base revolt like this and come back at them and saying, what you're doing is wrong. This is not the direction we want our club to go in. Why? What are you doing about it? And it's going to be very interesting. I mean, we've we've seen from the Michael Eisner tweet how they've, how they've combated this, and I'm sure they've done plenty of crisis PR um, stuff in their time um, but yeah when you when you run Disney I think and ESPN and stuff like that I think you're you've done that you've gone through those motions but it's just about having your own team and a different type of fan base because I'm telling you now American fan bases stuff especially in in um, LA and around that is areas mate in California are a lot less forgiving you know if you go to the America and you go to the East Coast and stuff people grumble more about sports, but nothing on the level that fans around here will get passionate about, about their team. It will be interesting to see how they respond because we're actually all assuming that they're going to, they're going to stick to their word as such, aren't we? And I agree. I think that the ownership has done a great job really across the board. Generally, it's just that will they stick to that James? Because we are assuming they will, but we yeah, know that. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, you just, you're just judging it by what, you know, what they've said and, um, how their ownership style thus far. Um, and, you know, with the stadium and they're, you know, they're not going to tell you what's happening with the stadium. They're going to do little bits and little bits. When you look back in five years, you go, oh, Christ, it's, it's a bit different to how it used to. Yeah. Um, but it's, they've, they've not had to weather a storm quite like this um and i think they'll give it a stern test um and it'll be interesting to see if they can ride it out mm. james i'm going to do the quick qpr roundup because in typical me and you way we've nearly got to an hour and a half good work yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus there's people are going to start char- you're going to start charging me sat there on like a black seat at a therapy's office going on Right, right, Mr. Robbins. How Shut can, up, James. I love having can, you on the podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be sorry. a great therapist, mate. I'd be uh, a great therapist. Yeah, I know. Um, oh, dear. It's, it's, you almost need just someone to talk to. And I'm just kind of, Hopefully, uh, this helps but, other people out, mate, as well, listening to it and seeing if they have an opinion and a view. And maybe it's no matter what their view is, that they can get involved with it, basically. It's quite nice just talking it out, actually, and just sort of put try and put it calmly rather than just ranting, and uh, which is usually my default setting, or it certainly was anyone who heard me on the walk back to to the car on 
to the car last night. Um, yeah. Mental, mate. So I'm just going to go really quickly over QPR. All right, so QPR, they play at Loftus Road. They're, um, we went there recently, so I don't need to tell you much about the ground in particular. Um, so far this season, they're middle of the road. Have they finished playing their game now, actually? Because I was so... Yep, they've just finished. They've just lost 3-1 to Swansea at home. Before that, they lost to Bristol City away 2-0. Um, they won on penalties in the Cup, who cares? They drew with Huddersfield, managerless Huddersfield before that. Um, they're looking shocking, mate. They got one win, one draw, two losses. So they don't look very good, to be honest. They've, they haven't won in the last three games. Uh, to be honest, they're a bit of a boring team to follow, aren't they? They've got... Um, what's, the, what's that guy who played up front for, for them last time? Matt Smith. Um, I like Ilias Chair. Um, he's the guy on loan from Burnley. Do you know the forward I mean? He's quite a good player. Uh, no, I don't, to be honest, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've been really bad this like this sort of pre-season with following what's going in and around. I, I've just been sort of a bit transfixed by right what what, what Pompey are doing. So I, I don't mm. I don't have too much info on that or even the cup game. To be fair, I I didn't. I didn't actually see any of that or well the one at Loftus Road anyway um, or, or, or listen to much of that um, I just think it's going to be very interesting what kind of team Kenny picks I think Ross McCrory will move into the middle of the park um, and have his chance at central midfield I just uh, I just wonder how strong uh, Hornstruck will have to play left back do you think that's at the, uh, at the expense of close then Yes. I don't think he drops Naylor personally, do you? Unless he wants to give Naylor a rest. Or yeah. he wants to see what or if he wants to see what McCrory and Close are like. I think he might, and this is the game to do it. Because, he did it against Stevenage, didn't he? Because let's face it, this one's a free hit. He could make changes, he can look for a reaction, he can play his strongest team, he could Whatever the result is, I don't think anyone cares, um, to be quite honest. It, I think this the game against QPR is going to be... It is the warm-up for the Blackpool game, which for him could be absolutely massive. You lose that game against Blackpool and you could be at a point of no return. Um I mean, it's on my birthday, the QPR game, so undoubtedly Pompey will fuck it up. Uh, <laughs> <in> <laughs> you go, are you going to go, James? Uh, uh, no, no, I've got... Um, I've done QPR uh, when we are in the championship. It's just, a, it's just a really, really shit ground. Is it, um, just, just to try and drum ticket sales up, it's probably one of those boring games I went to last season. I went after work and I went on my own because no one was there and I made the trek. It was it was rubbish. Um, and the game was so dull. It was a really boring game. And you've got so, that frick with a sombrero to the left of you who's constantly mouthing off. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Then you've just got... And it's just... It's People just calling him very... a pedo John Westwood or something random across the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually, to be fair, then we should get them to their own little stand. Um, 
and they're not <laughs> poor inclined to go. Executive uh, but, No, I think <laughs> it's just it's just a really, really nothing ground and nothing atmosphere. Um, it's you, you know they play music and stuff when they score, which probably tells you all you need to know. They're literally the most boring, <laughs> quiet fans, aren't they, James? They literally make absolutely no noise. Like it was. I think the, the, it was. I think the last game. It was a night game as well. It was in the evening, a bit like this one. And they didn't make one song until about forty minutes. They didn't clap. They didn't do anything. They yeah. just sort of sat and observed. Yeah, it's um, no. It's mercifully, it's one that I've ticked off the list, and I, I don't really have many intentions of going to. Um, I think if you if you're there, they're so far. I mean. They're so far down the pecking order, aren't they? You've got Chelsea round there, and if you're not Chelsea, you're probably Fulham. And if you're not Fulham, you might even be more inclined to go and watch Brentford than you would be QPR. And I then would, it's for sure. most other London teams, and then bottom of the heap is QPR. And then look even further down in the scraps, you'll find AFC Wimbledon. Uh, but that's another story. Uh, At least their fans care about the club, to be honest. They're more oh, of a passion fan, James. I fucking hate their fan base. <laughs> I really do. I really hate them. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting. Actually, I'll put myself onto the pre-AFC Wimbledon podcast and go, go through <laughs> my do, views. Mate. I'll go Please through do. my views on AFC Wimbledon, which uh, aren't to everyone's liking. But well, no, I, awesome, but I do from <laughs> I mean I'll, I'll get back on topic. But from a from a Pompey point of view, I think he'll go. I think McCrory will go. Uh, McCrory, um, McGilvery will start and go. I don't think he'll make a change to that position. Um, even though it would be would be nice to see like someone like an Alex Bass yeah, given given a go. Um, I think centre halves he's got to play Raggett and Downing together. Just just build that relationship, build build the trust between them. Just get if if you're going to go that way, um, I'd start those two. Uh, Hornstrup's got to play. Um, Bolton has this game come a bit early for him. Uh, he was on the bench, so maybe give maybe give Bolton. I think he'll play him if he thinks that he's fit enough because it's been such a problem area and he'll want to free up Ross McCrory and put him back in midfield. So I think he'll, yeah. So I think what he'll do is he'll play Bolton for 60 odd minutes and he'll bring him off and then put McCrory to right back. But McCrory will start, I think with start with close. All right, let's, let's throw Raggett out there, James. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you imagine right back. Oh Jesus, he he, oh, he might well do, but um, actually that that bit can probably get edited out. Um, yeah, no, I'm just, I was just trying to work it out in my head. I I I think he'll make some changes. I don't think it'll be wholesale changes, um, but it's some somewhere you've got to build a relationship like Downing and Ragged. I think uh, build that partnership. Um, whether he tries something different up front. Now Marquez has got, got off the mark. Maybe he'll, he'll want to see if he can uh, bag a few more. But the service has just got to be so much better than than what it has been this season. Um, and it's just got to be 
just start it against QPR. Even if even if we're losing two 0 just just I'd rather they use this as a training session and yeah. just get yourself and get yourself ready for Saturday. Look, we had the cut runs last year. I don't care about a cut run this season. I just I just want to get out of this league and get into the, the get into the championship. Yeah. No, James, I think so too. And I think it would have been a lot more changes possibly to the team. Don't think there will be now, especially with the what happened, should we say, last night. He'll wanna he'll wanna win the game and he'll wanna put his best team out there to make a point. That's what I think. Um so I don't think we're going to see too many changes apart from Ross McCrory coming into midfield, maybe reverting back to 4-2-3-1 again. Um, which oh, is great, which you'll revert, put... revert. Sorry, it's one of my real bugbears when commentators say revert back. You go, what? You're going back, back? Uh, yeah, I like that, James. No pernickety or nothing there. <laughs> You're talking for an hour and 40 minutes. You're picking up on my language. I do it to my missus all the time. She goes, oh, yeah, I revert back to this. I'm going, oh, you're going back, back. And it's that and saying, wow, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, if he does go strong, you're just, you're just leaving yourself open. You're just leaving yourself open to a bit of criticism. Wow. No, I mean, I said it was, a, I mean, it's ridiculous because I just said it was a free hit. But, um, you know, if someone gets injured in that game, and it rules them out. I mean, what do you make of the strength and depth for this squad? Is the strength and depth there? Because that was the big thing last season. Everyone goes, oh, look at the strength of the squad. Look at the strength of the squad. Look how much depth we've got. Do we have that this season? I mean, it's hard to go through it all now, but I do think, James, we've got depth in central midfield, number one. I think the depth gets better the further forward you go. Yeah, precisely. Apart... Although I think we could do with another winger. I think... Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think we could do another winger. I think we've got depth up front. I think we've got depth in the centre of midfield. We've got depth at left back. If we come good at centre back, we've got, you know, fair amount of players. I still haven't seen them gel yet, so it's difficult to tell if you've got depth in that position. I think we're lacking at right back unless James... Bolton becomes good, and then you think, well, if he's one of those players he plays most of the season, like Nathan Thompson, then you know that's what happens, isn't it? I think we look better in goal with Alex Bass rather um, backing up. I think he's a good keeper. I don't know. I think we've got good depth. We've got better. If you look, if you listen as well to what every other uh, football fan outside of Portsmouth thinks, they think we've got the best squad in the league through depth. Oh, I, I, I think Peter would do. Peter are shit at the back as well. They got oh, they got beavers, haven't they? That's the only. That's easy one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I um, I I've, I've tipped them actually to. I th- I think they'll go up. Uh, much to my mate's annoyance, saying that why you've not you never learn like back in Peterborough, but um, yeah, uh, I I think they could be there or thereabouts, and and that's the that's the level we've got to be. Well. We'll have to wait and see, James, won't we? But, James, I think we should finish it now. We've got to an hour and 40 minutes. Jesus. James, thank you for being on the podcast, mate. I would ask if you've got anything to plug at the moment. So, you, is there anything you want to tell us about? Um, well, uh, I, mate, your guess as to whether I'm back on Express FM is as good as mine at the minute. Um, so, yeah, I'm still, I'm still going through, go, still going through that. At the minute, so hopefully you'll be you'll be hearing me on the radio. Um, if 
if nobody listens to this podcast um, from the Pompey hierarchy, if they do, then uh, I'll see you in the artillery arms at some point because <laughs> well, I won't be on radio. James, <laughs> you'll be you'll be back you'll be back on this podcast anytime you want, mate. Because it's always Stop. great to have you on the show. Stop, man. Nice one, mate. Yes, enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, James. Well, obviously we'll leave it at that then. So until next time, play at Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.